the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 165 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at JustinHughes365. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and the Baseball Pod official account is at Baseball365Pod. On this episode, we're going to talk first base. It's the first base position preview. I'm guessing this will end up getting split into two episodes. We'll put one out today, and we'll put another, like the next one will come out here in a few days afterwards. All right, let's get Andrew on. Andrew, I've got a question for you. You've done a handful of drafts now. Do you have a preference of attack at this position yet? Uh little bit i mean i don't i in the past with first base i have been more on the weight like i don't need to t- take the top guys because i can wait uh this year i'm a little bit more open to taking the early ones but yeah really just kind of seeing where the value falls and going with that i haven't um i've had ones where i've taken early and had ones where I waited. So why why do you think you're more open this year compared to the last few years in terms of taking uh, them early? I think the top guys are just pretty clearly the top guys more so than in the past. Um, and there's a few later that I think can break out, but the top guys are pretty good, you know. So yeah, I don't I don't mind it as much as I did before. The gap seems like it's larger, and I think I agree with you on that in terms of those top guys and what they offer and, and four categories typically and the very top one and five. So, yeah, actually, I guess a couple of the top ones. Um, question I didn't put in the notes. This is very important. What round are you willing to take Eric Hosmer in? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. The question, I guess the question should be what round are you willing to take him in? <laughs> Oh, geez. Um, I've <laughs> laughed about this in a, f- a few times this last week as we're doing first base podcast, probably in the history of this ep- um, of this show that my worst call would be going into 2021 seasons and my love for Hosmer, which didn't turn out. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm if maybe maybe if in a um, 50 round draft and hold, I'd consider him in the f- 150th round maybe <laughs> at that point. Does he ever play baseball again, or is, do you think he's hit his, had his last at bat? I've, of all this stuff, this is now what I'm talking about and asking you. Uh, I lean that he's done, but I think so too. Okay, yeah. let's let's talk about things that are actually relevant and not talk about Eric Cosmer. We got enough to talk about here. <laughs> um, I just want to remind everybody as I list off ADP. The ADP is off of this last month for draft champions leagues, which comes to right now. It's the last. It's 16 drafts during this last month so it's recent data just because that matters we talked about that on the catcher episode for why and we're going to start off with freddie freeman who's got an adp of nine in that in those 16 drafts he's gone between like his min is seven and his max is 13 so he's been pretty consistently right there in that window and you and i've talked about him a lot so we're not going to go long on freeman he stole 23 bases last year with the new rules for stealing. Scored 131 runs. Amazing lineup. Hit 30, 331 and 325 
in his first two seasons here in L.A. What's the soonest you think you'd take him in a draft? That was the way I thought I'd board this one. Uh, I would say like pick seven or eight. I'd probably start thinking about it. Not positive I would take him there, but yeah, he's a stud. I think the only thing to think about with Freeman is I think when it starts to slip, it's going to probably be the power first. It's not like he's a crazy power guy, but yeah, everything else is great. He's a stud. I'm, I'm comfortable taking him in the middle of the first round. Yeah, high floor. I put number eight. I, like At first, I was putting five or six, but then I'm, more I was like, no, I think there's a couple pitchers that I like. A pitcher, I think that kind of knocked him down on another slot along with me just thinking a little more, but eight's my number. So anything else to add on Freeman? One, not really. One thing I, I would just say is like a couple things to keep in mind is the runs in RBI are going to be crazy on that team. Yep. It's kind of like it is with bets where it's just he's got an advantage over almost anybody with that. And the other thing to think about, I think, when you draft him and any infield position, I, I guess I would really say that about in this spot, is just some people call it drafting backwards, but just kind of know where your targets are at the position. As we as we move down, we're going to talk about guys you know we like, we don't like, but – if you're taking Freeman in the first round, it's totally fine. But also just know that you're probably less likely to take a value that falls at cor- you know, the guy that would be your corner bat. Um, obviously, you can take more than one because you have a corner slot, you have a UT slot. But just kind of have that planned out uh, before you just take Freeman and then realize, oh, I want to take you know, Paul Goldschmidt or you know, whoever is that's that's dropping that you feel is a value. Just kind of have that planned before you, uh, before you attack it. I think that's a good take, especially like know what positions you find value that you really like taking later. Yep. And taking a first baseman early that can affect that. So for yeah, sure, it's a good take. Um, moving on, we got two guys with an ADP of 16 and that's Matt Olson and Bryce Harper. They're both studs, obviously. Um, Real quick, if you like coin flip, I mean, it almost feels like with these guys, but is there one you'd take over the other if you were sitting there on the wheel? Uh, I would take Harper first. Same. I'd go Harper. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say it's mostly um, Olsen's a stud. I've definitely been wrong on him. I haven't drafted him really at all in the past. And and my main – my main reason for it still kind of stands. Uh, the year before last, he hit 240 with zero stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Um, and Atlanta, obvious bump, lineup is elite, and he's an elite power hitter. But I think it's just something to keep in mind a little bit. It's like you could get a guy that hits, call it 250, 260, with no steals. So you're essentially looking at three categories. Now, that said, I think those three categories will be elite. Uh, maybe not quite as elite as they were this past yeah. season. 54 homers, 127 runs, 139 RBI. But he's great. It's just splitting hairs. You know, I, I think Harper's more likely to deliver batting average and chip in, call it double-digit steals. So I would go Harper, but I still think Olsen's right there. Yeah, and Bryce Harper, one thing I'll say, you know, he you mentioned Matt Olsen and that batting average, and Bryce Harper had a, a little stretch there four or five years ago where it seemed like he was like I was starting to wonder if he was turning into a 250 hitter. I mean, he's his expected batting average the last four years. The weakest one is 287. 
So he's definitely become more bankable for hitting for a higher average again. I, I The one thing I'll add is if someone was to ask me which one they should take, I'd ask which categories would they rather start off strong with and which categories they're less strong on. Again, just thinking about what you're good at finding value later at. Bryce Harper's going to provide those stolen bases and hit with a higher average. Matt Olson, I'd project to have more like more counting stats in terms of like RBI. That's not bankable, but I mean, I think in that Atlanta offense and Harper, his career high is like 108 or something like that. I I, did, I didn't write that down, but I think that was around where it was. But um, if you ask me which of the four categories I predicted the winner that I'm least confident in, it's Harper with the homers because Harper could easily go out and hit 45 homers this year, and it wouldn't shock me. So slight edge there for me, but it's close. Um, okay, next up, we're moving on to Pete Alonzo with an ADP of 27. So he's right there at the um, end of the second round. 40-plus home runs two years in a row, 118, 131 RBI in those seasons, 92 and 95 runs scored. So that's a lot of consistency right there. The batting average was the thing that tanked this last year at 217. But, um, you know, pretty consistent guy to take in the late second. Are you good with around where he's going? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm good with it. Um, he's one of those guys that could lead the league in home runs produce a first round season. Uh, I feel pretty similarly really about him and Olsen. I mean, the difference in the lineup, I guess is the biggest difference in the two, but guys that you just have to kind of know that you may not get batting average and you may, and you're not going to get steals. So it's really, you're judging three categories. Uh, if that's how you want to build your team with elite power at the top, totally fine to take him. I have no issues with it. I'm probably not going to own him much, just because that's probably not how I'm building, but I totally get it if, if you want to take him. I think it's fine to take him where he's going. Yeah, if you take him, you just need to be thinking about some batting average guys in the middle of rounds. Um, that said, that 217, it, like his expected batting average last year was 244. It was down from previous years, but he was unlucky in the batting average department last year, so he could easily be a 250 hitter again, and if he does that, there isn't a big difference between him and Matt Olson outside of the lineups around him, but Pete Alonso's still been a good RBI guy on that team, so. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we got Vlad Guerrero at 35, so we're talking, you know, middle of the third round, first, like, middle first half, middle high end, whatever. Um, will he put up MVP caliber Ah, well, he put up MVP caliber numbers up again in like 2021. You know, he hit 311 with 48 homers, he had 123 runs and 111 RBI because the last two years have been a step down. You know, he hit 264 last year with 26 homers, 78 runs and 94 RBI. And this, and um, that that's what he did this last year, I should say. And his last two years have been down. So thoughts on Vladdy here. And do you think that they're you, like, What's the likelihood, do you think, of him being a superstar? I think I think the most obvious answer with him, you know, 2021 versus last year is it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, maybe a cop-out answer, but uh, I do think that there are outcomes where he still puts together the MVP season. I mean, he's only 24. That's one thing that I feel like people are forgetting here is 
he's still hitting the ball extremely hard. Um, ground ball rate was actually down last season from 2022. Um, a lot of barrels, hard hit data, all good. Doesn't strike out walks. You know, it's all, it's all good. I mean, everything is in line. The numbers all like the pure stat line hasn't been elite. If you want to call it that, but I just think his floor is so high. Like he's going to get runs and RBI, like he's going to rack counting stats. And I think that the ceiling is the MVP of the league still. So, yeah, I don't – I actually took him in this draft that I'm in now, early third round. I don't mind it. Um, but I also can see the argument for I can get player X down the board that I think can, you know, do 90% of what Vlad can do, so I'm not going to take Vlad. I get that too. So, um, all to say, I think it's pretty fair price. And um, I see kind of upside and downside from here. So, you know, last July when we did our return podcast and did that 2024 mock draft, I think I remember being significantly low on Vladdy. If I re- recall correctly, I think his ADP is much, isn't much different than where I had him ranked at that time. That said, um, like you just said, his batted ball data, as I looked into it for this episode, I was like, geez, like this feels like a lot of bad luck out of this guy in terms of what he did. And that like what he did this last year feels like a floor. And at worst with health, you're getting something like he did. And at best, you know, he could be what he was again. And that, I mean, I think it's very possible. Um, you know, if you get what he did the last two years, probably not worth a third round pick. I, I agree because you could find that later. But um, I think I'm not as against it as I was before. I I do think I, I don't know how many shares I'll end up with because there are a lot there are first basemen down the road that I like that I don't know if I want to chance chance it, but I don't I don't have as big of a problem as I thought I did. But um I looked at Fangraft, you know, being having been in the, that auction draft this last week or two, I was looking at Fangraft auction values for batting average leagues, and these were based off of steamer projections. Where do you think they had Vlad ranked amongst first basemen in terms of projected dollars earned, Andrew? Second. No, you already knew this then. Yep. Yeah. Um, Freddie Freeman, you know, ninth overall, $30.40. And Vlad Jr.'s thirty dollars and thirty cents. So they're basically saying same guy. Yeah, yours yours is slightly different dollars than mine. I I probably have I always adjust like all the positions and the bench. I don't know where the difference is, but yeah, that's it's basically you the know same what it thing. is. Yeah. I bet it was the bench because I have zero bench. I just remember because okay. I was doing my draft. But that's what I so yeah, I usually plug off. in I usually plug in seven bench and then fifteen team. Yeah, it's close enough. I bet that um, was it. I'm rebooting it now. But see. yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like the 56 barrels. I mean, Max EV, top 2% of the league, has been his whole career, essentially. Um, like I said, doesn't strike out. It's all, it's all pretty much there. So, um, And kind of heading into his prime years, he's so young. That's the thing some people seem to forget, too. It's like he's just now entering a stage where a lot of guys are just getting to the majors <laughs> at the age he's at, you know? So Matt Mervis is what, two years older than him still trying to get up. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy, but yeah, I, I, 
I get avoiding it if you think, like I said, if you think you can get a guy later that can do comparable to what he's done. But I, I do think that what he did, like last year, especially, it's kind of like the floor. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think he's very likely to have a better season this season than last. I want to get a share now. That's that was what I came came out of my research to thinking is I want to get a share. All right, Cody Bellinger, we'll talk about him next. I mean, Vlad Jr.'s at, what did I say, 35 overall, and then we go 25 picks, basically, because Cody Bellinger's 59, so he's right there at that 4-5 turn is his ADP. This guy was a disaster for two or three years after injuring his shoulder in that playoff series until, um, I think that was like 2018, 2019, until last year. Went 26 homers, 20 steals, 97 runs, 95 um, 95 runs, 97 RBI, and a 307 average. So he was a five-category stud. Um, But, you know, he was pretty bad for a couple years. Andrew, you're a Cubs fan, so you probably saw him. You saw him. You did see him more than me. What's your level of confidence that this guy's back to being a stud? Uh, I lean that he's not what he was last season. Uh, just to give a few things here. One thing you're going to hear me reference a lot is barrels. Uh, typically, so last season, 50.2% of barrels went for home runs. So, you know, whatever, whatever somebody's, however many barrels they hit, typically, just divide that in half. That should be their home run total, you know, projected. Obviously, not all barrels are the same, but close enough, right? I did not know Co- this yet. Cody Bellinger hit 26 home runs and had 26 barrels. Oh. Which is a just a complete outlier. I mean, a 6% barrel rate is it's not a 26 home run guy. You know, it was last year, but it isn't typically. Um, so yeah, I, I don't believe in, in 26 home runs at all based on what he's done. Uh, the K he did drop his K rate a ton from 27% to 15%, which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stolen base, like you're, you're kind of buying first base outfield eligibility, which is nice. That's a nice flex and stolen base upside at first, which is a rare thing. You know, he had 20 steals slot that into your first base, you know, that's something that most owners aren't getting from there. Doesn't really have splits like righty lefty splits, stuff like that, which is good. But, um, yeah, just generally speaking, I don't, I think that there are outcomes where the home runs dip back into the teens. I have no interest in him where he's going really. I was just about to ask you, like, I'm guessing you're taking the under on that 25 homers then. Hundred, Yeah. Hundred percent. What's his what's his steamer projection? Twenty five homers. He's two fifty seven with a three twenty one yeah. on base, twenty five homers, eighteen steals. So who signs this guy? I mean, rumor has it he's looking for two hundred million dollars. Yeah, that's the other variable that we didn't bring up yet, but uh team context will play a role. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say. I don't you got any uh, any opinion on that or any guess? Well, signing him for $200 million sounds like an incredibly risky move. And when I think of bad business decisions, I usually think of two teams in baseball. I think of the Rockies and the Angels. 
And <laughs> I don't think the Rockies would sign Bellinger, but the Angels, you know, a team that's pretty delusional, trying to contend when they aren't contenders, it feels like a perfect match. So, yes, <laughs> I think the Angels are going to – like, somebody's got to sign them. And, it, yeah, I think, you know, they just lost Otani. They've probably trying to do something to get some butts and seats and get some excitement. They, you know, Artie Moreno or somebody in that organization has said they're not tearing down, even though they need to. So I'm going to say they double down on their stupidity and they sign Bellinger. Any idea of what you think he'll get? Well, let's see. Money, money wise. Well, I'm going to say he doesn't get no the idea. two. I'm not. I'm going to say he doesn't get the two hundred. But um, and since I'm predicting the Angels, I'm gonna say he gets, still gets like 150 to 160. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I hope, like, I hope I'm wrong because I just don't like. Good for him if he gets it, but geez, that's gonna be a terrible contract. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. I mean, he can move around defensively a little bit, which is good. But um, I think last season was more the ceiling of what we're going to see like from here out with him going into his 28 age, age 28 season, which isn't old or anything, but you know, kind of going into his thirties. I I just think that uh, last year was kind of the peak, but yeah, we'll see. You know, I just thought of the Jason Hayward contract. And he at least was great on the defensive end. As you were saying, the Bellinger at least can be moved around, and I immediately thought of Hayward for that. And that contract sucked for them to have for a long time. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he he was a he was very frustrating, and I think that could be very similar. Okay, moving on, we got two guys, seven or eight. We got Paul Goldschmidt versus Christian Walker, eighty-four and eighty-nine overall ADPs here. Uh, him or him? Which one do you like better? Uh, Goldschmidt pretty easily. Okay, so you think there's a gap there. All right, let's yeah. let's hear it. Uh, well, with Goldie, obviously been a staple for years, you know, fixture and fantasy lineups for a long time. Won the MVP the year before this past season. And he really did a lot of things comparable to that MVP season. I mean, he actually, you know, same walk rate, hard hit data, very similar. Uh, He was 77th percentile in the league this season or better, 77th percentile or better in XWOBA, XBA, XSlug, hard hit percentage, barrel rate, average exit velocity, and walk rate. Uh, So there's just... There's not as much – he didn't have as much of a drop-off from the MVP season as it looks like just with the surface stats. Um, I realize he's older, and sometimes with a guy at this age, it could just fall off quick. But there's really not a ton in the metrics to show that that's happened yet. So I like Goldie. Um his projection for or last season, he was the 38th best hitter, just dollars earned. His projection this year is the 35th best hitter, and he's been being drafted as the 47th hitter over the last month. So a little bit of value there, but just one of those guys that – and I, I 
don't like to talk about lineup spot with a ton of guys like I've mentioned before, but he is one of those guys I will talk about it with because he's going to get hit high in the lineup. He walks a lot. Like I said, he's just one of those guys that you can kind of lock that in. He's not moving way down in the order or anything like that. So I think last year was more of the floor. MVP year obviously was the ceiling. Probably falls somewhere in between there, but I don't think you're like losing your draft taking Paul Goldschmidt. I think it's just steady Eddie, lock him in, enjoy the production. This is interesting. I actually um, agree with some a lot of that, but I have a slightly different take on some of it too. Um, what you were saying about him and the underlying stats being not much different than what he did in the MVP season the year before is true. But I, as I was digging into it, I was like, maybe that MV, like that MVP season really seemed like, like I think what he did last year is a lot closer to what he is than what the MVP season stats in terms of, I think that there was a lot of good luck on what he did there, just looking at the data. And I think what he did last year is what he is close, a lot closer to what he is. Now that's still a really good player. You just said he was the what, what overall hitter this last year? 30 something? Uh, 38 yeah. based on dollars earned. Yeah. yeah. 38th best hitter. So I say all that not to say I don't like Paul Goldschmidt. I think he's a fine pick where he's going. And I think Paul, Christian Walker's a fine pick. Um, I just, I, but I think I honestly would rather take the guy that's going later if there's a gap. Um, you know, his expect Goldie's expected batting average and expected slug have been down for two years in a row now from what it was in previous years. Um, he had the good bat- batted ball data luck in tw- like when I look at the lo- the data in, in 2022 and 2023, it was just closer. So, um, you know, comparing him to Walker when looking at the underlying stats, I thought they looked very similar. Now, Goldschmidt stole 11 bases last year, and that's not a surprise. I had no memory that Christian Walker stole 11 bags last year, but um, he stole a total of two bags in the you're like between 2021 and 2022. So straight up, I say it's close. I'd rather, I could make an ar- argument for either guy just because of Goldschmidt and the age, but like I'd take Goldie, but um, it's close to me. So I think I'm closer than you are. Yeah. I think the, I think the main difference for me is just a lot of the, like the hard hit data um, and like with Walker, I think that his ceiling for batting average is about where Goldie's floor is. Uh, I think his his steamer projection is two fifty six. I'd take the under on that. Um, and he and he's thirty two too. Like this has been more of a kind of a progression to get to this point. I realize Arizona is getting better, and I do feel like Walker's been getting better. But he's also at an age where he could fall off just like Goldie does. Yes. Goldie could, also you know. True. He's not um, the talent he's not, Goldie was. Yeah, he's not like entering his prime versus Goldie at 36, you know. So, yeah, I think just kind of when I look at a lot of the bad at ball stuff, I'm, I lean Goldie pretty comfortably. But I don't like hate Walker either. Um, I do. You know, he is in a good lineup. He yes. has power. Um, I don't mind him, uh, but I'm probably at this cost waiting for some guys later. I think that's understandable. We'll get to those guys here. And I think we might be having one come up here in a second. Um, 
We got number nine as Spencer Steer, uh, first base, third base, and outfield eligible with a 109. So what did I say? So we're going 25 picks to these two guys. And then Tristan Cassis at uh, 111. Him or him, Steer or Cassis? Uh, Cassis. <laughs> and it isn't even... It isn't even close to me. Okay. What do you think? Uh, yeah, same. Cassis, not even close. So, yeah, why don't you just start off first? Uh, so, we'll start with Steer because he's slightly ahead. And um, this was the guy I was talking about in the RM2 chat. Chris Winder, you nailed it. <laughs> um, did you see that, by the way? Yes, I did. did I said that? I figured he yeah. was right, too. Yeah, so 30 barrels last season, 23 home runs on those 30 barrels, which is pretty much an outlier. Like I said, I mean, half 50% typically. So you're talking about a guy that should be in the mid to upper teens in home runs. Uh, below league average in pretty much every hard contact metric you can name. Uh, he had a 271 batting average, came with a 252 expected batting average. He's a bad defender, uh, bottom 1% in the league in outs above average, which is essentially a metric on how many outs a player is saving. He isn't a good defender. He He has first base, third base outfield, which is the appeal to him. I get that, but... He's being moved around because he doesn't really play any of them well. Um, and in 2023, as good of a year as he had, he played 156 games, which is obviously a lot. He was 17th at the position in runs scored, and he was 13th in RBI, mm. as good as he was. And he was really good. So all that to say, I feel like this was an extremely lucky outlier season. He also, let's be honest, he exceeded what we expected out of him. He's never been an elite prospect. You know, this was his first season or his first full season in the majors. And I kind of look at his stat line as like, that's the top end of what I expect. I will give him this. They can move him around. Um, like I said, not a good defender, but a guy that has played multiple positions where I don't really think it's likely he loses playing time. But I do think there's a chance that he does. Um, and I'll give him the ballpark because that ballpark is elite for hitters. Like it's just it's kind of turned into Coors East. I've I've called it that. But um, I do think that that helps his case. But, yeah, his steamer is the 23rd best first baseman, and he's being drafted, what is this, ninth, did ninth. you say? Yep. Yeah, 254 for steamer projection, 254, 20 homers, 74 RBI, 71 runs, and eight steals. And you can say you disagree with that or think he's going to do more here or less there, but I don't think he's a guy that's going to have a ton of counting stats like that likely to hit high in the order. Got to keep in mind too, the Reds have a lot of guys. It's yes. kind of it's kind of like one of those. Um, they're not a great team, but they have a lot of guys right now. I mean, just going around the infield, 
Encarnacion Strand, Candelario, India, McLean, Ellie, Noel V. Obviously, there's a DH slot, and he could play left field, which is where that's where he's going to be. Shows him now if he's playing because um, the infield's packed. Like he's not. It's packed. He's not playing much in the infield this year. I don't think. Right. Right. Yeah. It's packed. Uh, the outfield's not as packed. Nowhere near. So yeah, probably probably playing there, but yeah, I just think you're buying the top of the market on steer. I I think it's likely that it is less next season than it was in 2023, and I don't think it's accounted for in this draft cost. So I'm completely out. First draft I did this season, he went in the top 90. Oh, geez. and this is. It was round six, and this is when I really started looking at this. It's like, why is he going here? Triple eligible, I get it. I like those guys. They're handy to have. But I think that's like the best argument for him. And in round six, I mean, I don't need to do that, you know? Yeah, he's got three positives, um, and you've listed them all. The first base, third base, out, outfield. The fact that he can chip in some steals out of the first base position and the great American small park. But you're right about the data. I, I didn't I didn't know about that barrel percentage to homers, but we'll get to cases in a bit. But cases um he barrel barrels the ball almost twice as much as steer uh, in terms of frequency and percentage. So yeah, I, I definitely like what I like. I don't need to go into all my steer thing, but I did close it out because I, I think you said it all perfectly. But I said, I just don't think I'll be getting any steer shares this year. So I'm with you on that. So let's talk about cases. Um, why don't you go first? Yeah, cases is kind of really like a polar opposite, I feel like. <laughs> um, you know, Strong barrel rate, 86th percentile barrel rate, 80, 80th percentile hard hit. Um, always been an elite prospect. 23 years old, gets a shot with Boston. And he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was great this past season, but he had a 97 WRC plus in the first half, a 175 WRC plus in the second half. Here are the qualified hitters that had a higher WRC plus in the second half than Tristan Cassis. Matt Olson, Mookie He's Betts. He's good. He's good. Ronald Acuna. Yep. And Jordan Alvarez. That's the list. And the entire list. Cases. Yeah, and then Cassis is right behind him. Yeah. Um, 32% strikeout rate against lefties, something just to monitor, be aware of. Uh, but I think the top outcomes with Cassis are massive like where this guy could just blow away i mean 29 home runs steamer i'm taking the over on that all day um and you know i question i question the batting average a little bit they've got him at 259 i think that's probably close i could actually see him undering that but i also could just see this guy being like your pivot to not taking Olsen and Pete Alonzo and you know he's got to do it still but it's kind of all there like he's gonna play I like the the playing time the power I mean he's an OBP monster yeah I like him I haven't gotten him yet the other thing I'll mention 
is I do think this is a pretty fair price. I like because you know his he's going as the tenth first baseman off the board, and his projection is the twelfth. So I think it's fair if you believe in his projection. If you bump his projection up, which I would a little bit, I think it's pretty close to fair value. And the main reason is just because what I'm saying isn't a secret. Everybody mm-hmm. likes Tristan Cassis as the breakout first baseman. It's very popular. Uh, you know, it's this guy isn't sneaking past anybody. And some of his expected improvement is baked into the cost. You know, he, he kind of has to do it, you know, with with where he's being drafted. But I do think there's still room for payoff with this cost, because I think that the the best outcome for Cassis is, you know, like I said, close to or at what you're seeing out of Olsen and Alonzo. I think he can do it. Nah, you've said a lot of what I was going to say, and I completely agree. I'm glad you brought up the first half, second half WRC plus that was on my notes. And I was going to say that, you know, I think that he could finish being like, I think his upside is being in that his ADP being around where Pete Alonzo is right now, if not even a few picks higher. I think that's realistically possible. The data backs it up in terms of what he did. Like, I think he's closer to that second half player than he is the first half. I mean, he may not have a depth. I'm not saying I'm like, he's going to have a 175 WRC plus, but he's really good. Um, ground ball percentage dropped fly ball and line drive percentages were both up. Everything just looked like he clicked. I think I heard like heard somebody on a podcast say this last week that one of the, he he needed to be more aggressive at the plate. He was taking too many pitches and getting himself in bad counts. And yeah, what he did worked. And yeah, I'm with you. Anything? The league, the league's kind of the league is kind of trending towards guys like this with tons of power. I've been I feel like I've said this for a year or two, but I just think it's coming more and more. Tons of power, tons of walks, and like caring about batting average and stuff. I know batting average is still a stat. You do have to be aware of it. Yes. Um in standard five by five leagues. But in real life baseball, I don't think it matters that much these days. No. Um and I just think it's trending more towards that. Like hit the ball hard, take walks, and you're gonna be coveted by any major league team you know and those are the guys that are just getting the paydays like you that's that's what's making the money now you know and i think this could be a guy or i at least think he's a candidate to become one of those elite guys it's not a lock he hasn't done it yet but i think he's definitely a candidate to get there yep with you Okay, well, we'll move on to the next group. We got 11 through 15 first basemen here, so I've got five of them to list off. One of them is Salvador Perez, so he's catcher eligible. We're going to ignore him. So I'm mostly going to talk about these other four. That would be Spencer Torkelson at 122, Josh Naylor, who's at 130, Yandy Diaz, 135, and Christian Encarnacion Strand at 141. So with those four, removing Sal Perez, how do you rank them? Oh, I didn't even see your question on how I rank those guys. <laughs> That's <laughs> all right. We, if, if you don't want to do that, um, just talk about them. I would probably. I think they're close. I think Torx won, 
And then I'm not really targeting the other three too much, but um, yeah, I, I didn't think a ton about the order of those three. Uh, Torque with is that the quietest 31 homer season from a number one overall pick? That I mean, that's 24. Yeah, I mean, I don't. What a I mean, it just was like unnoticed almost. Yeah, um, he got going in that second was, half, and that's part of it. Yeah. Is it was a little later. I don't have the data right. to back that up, but I think I remember us talking about him last late last summer, and he was getting going, and he continued that to get to that 31, yeah. Yeah, so 31 homers, uh, 62 barrels, second at the position behind Pete Alonzo, or tied with Pete Alonzo, sorry, for second at the position. Only 24, obviously. Um I think that the projection on Torque's batting average is light. I think that it's 242, and I would over that. I think that um, he's one of those guys that could be more to come with the batting average. Uh, his expected expected BA was 253, mm-hmm. and I've always considered him a pretty good hitter with there's some growth there, I think, to be had. I, I just don't I don't look at him like a 230, 240 hitter. What did he hit? 233 something last year? 233. Right? 233. Yep. Yeah, I don't expect that again. Um yeah, if it all comes together, I, I think he could be a stud too. I the the big difference to me with him and Cassis is the team context. I just think that the team context the ballpark context is way better with Cassis. But other than that, yeah, I like Torque. I don't mind him. I haven't gotten him yet, but I'm not opposed to drafting him where he goes. What do you think? I, I've been pretty loud about love and Torque, and I, I really do. Like, I'd rather get Cassis around earlier. I think I would. But Torque, or like in this group, I love. I've got, I grabbed him in my first draft this offseason. Um, I just, his stat cast data looks great. I mean, his exit velocity was just under 92% and heart hit rate over 50%. And like you said, his expected batting average was 251. So it was unlucky. I think he has like, I, if he was in, if he was on the Mets, I would think he's got upside, not much lower than Pete Alonzo, but, um, he is in a bad park, like you said, and a bad line, like a lineup that's not as strong. So that, that, that suppresses it a little bit, but yeah, I, I like torque a lot at this price. Yeah. The, that park really saps power. Yeah. So especially to right I, center. It's awful. Yeah. I think he's good enough to overcome some of that, but probably not all of it. I, I mean, it's hard to overcome all of that. I think it would affect anyone, you know? So, but yeah, I, I, I definitely don't, don't mind torque. Where he's going. Yeah, while Case is up, we were looking at his um, projected home runs is 29, and we're both overing it. I mean, he, Torque's at 30, and I, I think that's about right, to be honest. I I think give or take three or four, I think that's pre- either way. I think that's pretty safe. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. about Naylor? Let's talk about Naylor next. Or if you got much. Or Yandy, uh, or Naylor, yeah, Naylor. Actually, Naylor and Yandy are almost kind of similar in ways to me. I there from a build standpoint, it's not really what I look for. 
Uh, and I think a lot of it, it just comes down to when I'm looking at first baseman, the first thing I'm thinking about is power. And I think both of these guys can leave you light there. And now you can build with them for sure. And there's people I've seen do it. Um, they're probably values as a result because I think a lot of people think this way, but, uh, with Naylor, you know, best things about him, no splits, hits lefties and righties, doesn't strike out, but he also doesn't walk. It's just like a kind of a weird profile at first base. Um, I think that the projected 23 home runs, I would definitely under, I don't even see where they're coming up with that based on his barrels, like if you extrapolate his barrels to 150 games, he did only play 121. You're still getting like 39-40, which is around, you know, 20 homers at a normal barrel rate. I mean, he doesn't have like, these massive exit velocities that where you're projecting more, you know. So I do think he is likely to help in batting average. Same with Yandy, similar, you know. Um, Naylor chipping a few steals. I think he had 10 last season, which is good at first base. But I, my first focus when I'm looking at first baseman is typically power. If you want to, you know, you can build that at other positions and then go lighter here and, you know, batting average and stuff that way. But I kind of look at it like if you're, if you're looking for batting average here, you probably screwed it up early. And that's just not the way I'm, I'm likely building teams, you know. So with Yandi, 133 qualified hitters, he was 125th in fly ball percentage and ninth in ground ball percentage. No, highest, you know. Yep. So obviously, we've said it a million times. I mean, he hits the ball hard, but he hits the ball hard into the ground. Um, he did double his barrel rate from previous seasons. So, you know, you wonder if he could build on that. But uh, the, all that said, with Yandi, his steamer projection is the eighth best first baseman in 2024, mm -hmm. which is value here. A lot of that is a 295 projected batting average over 672 plate appearances, which is second most at the position. I mean, he's going he's gonna to wreck plate appearances. He, you know, there's a reason that the Rays hit this guy first. He's an OBP machine, gets on base a lot. Um, so it does kind of, the format dependent a little bit. I have him in an OBP dynasty and I love him got him pretty cheap and it's uh it's helped me a ton but um they're just kind of Naylor and Yandi both they're kind of just like weird build types to me like I don't I'm not really looking to build going light in power at first base if you're comfortable with that and you've got it covered everywhere else by all means I I think they can be values I just that's not typically the way I'm building so I would un definitely under that 21 homers that they're projecting for Yandy. I personally like Naylor specifically. I'll talk about him first. I, you know who I think of when I th look at his projected stats and I was I, like a guy immediately came to mind and that was Eric Hosmer. And I know that can get groans, but I don't mean it as a bad thing. I'm meaning the better, the best version of Eric Hosmer, the one in like 2013, 2014, 2015. That was like a guy hitting close to 300 with 20 to 25 homers and pitching and chipping in um, 10 stolen bases. 
I kind of feel like that's kind of what Naylor is. Now, Naylor's, it's not all apples to apples, but Hosmer put the ball on the ground a lot, and that was part of the reason. But um, I don't know, just statistically, when I think of what I would project the surface box score numbers to look like at the end of the year, I think of him. Uh, With both of these guys, you know, I think you said something like you, you know, if I like, I'm not probably targeting these guys either. But if I drafted a ton of power early, but I'm weak in the batting average department, Yandi or Naylor would be a good one to add. In the Rotomasters draft and hold we talked about last month, either one of them would have been a good pick for me to make, or because um, I took a lot of like I took Bobby Witt and I took a few other guys that were weaker in the batting average department, and I ended up in a hole. I wish I had taken a guy like this. Or, like, if you draft the other name I wanted to link him up with, if you draft Kyle Schwarber in the second round, you have you took a ton of power with a terrible batting average, and Yandi wouldn't be a bad pairing with him there. Like, I think it, it just, if you if that's the way you drafted early, that's where I think it is good to take these guys. But that's not usually how I'm building teams either. So, I, I mean, I think we have very similar takes there. Um, yeah, Yandi's a candidate to lead the entire league in plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, maybe not first, but he's going to be up there most likely. And it's likely to come with strong batting average. I mean, 290 career over 2,400 plate appearances. It gets on base a lot. So there's definitely positives there. Um, it's just a different build type. And, uh but one that can come with value, if you're comfortable with that, I mean, I don't have a ton of issue with the ADP itself. We're agreeing a lot right now. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're talking, and I'm like, all right, you're pretty much saying everything. I I, I was I'm like I'm I'm lockstep with you. So Encarnacion Strand, what about that guy? Man, he's. I don't I don't actually really have a ton to say about him. I. I think it's just because I don't really know where it's going to go from here for him. I think that the range of outcomes on Christian Encarnacion Strand is massive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm talking anything from 35-plus home runs to in the minors. I I could see all kinds of outcomes. Um 28.6% 28.6% K rate, 5.8% walk rate, neither ideal. Uh, strong what, hard what hit. What is that day. over when you're saying 28%? That was, is that-, that, was last, that was just last season in the majors, which isn't a huge sample. In the majors um, only? I believe so, yeah. Oh, I got. I had it at 31. Um, that's why I'm asking. Oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't. My, my bad. I don't have it in front of me. I have it written down. No, nope, you're right. I thought it was just... You're right. Nope. 28% in the majors. I don't which, know. which isn't, which isn't a huge sample, admittedly. Um, the good things, strong hard hit data, minors and majors last season combined 33 homers in 130 games year before 32 homers, um, you know, across the upper minors. So he's obviously got a lot of power. I think we're guessing a little bit in terms of just how exactly it's going to play out because, like I mentioned when we talked about uh, Steer, the Reds are crowded. 
I could see this guy being a guy that it's like, okay, we're starting the year. Encarnacion strands in the lineup, strikes out too much, and then all of a sudden he just isn't. Like I, I could definitely see that. I think he's one of those guys that could have like a scorching hot April and be the talk of the town or just be horrible in April and get sent down. So many variables. Like I don't – do you have like a strong take? Because I kind of look at it like there's so many ways that this could go. And even even in like the first month, whatever he does, it probably could map the rest of his season just based on if he starts hot, he probably sticks or he does stick. And if he doesn't, I mean who knows? Like I don't think he's a lock to stick. The thing I said looking at him, like, and then looking at the list of guys below him, are there are very few, if any, first basemen that I think have the upside in terms of total home runs that he has. Between, you know, he hit 33 and 130 games between AAA and Cincy, and now he's playing the entire season in that tiny park. He could hit 40 homers this year, wouldn't shock me a bit. But, um, you're like I also said, he needs to keep the strikeouts in check and the walks he could use walking a little more to his credit he did like he had a career best 10 percent walk rate in triple a this year and it wasn't like he didn't walk much in 2022 so you know adjusted was getting more patient and maybe he can do that too i i i do think that this is a wide range of outcomes if he can hit enough because they the other thing is they have a ton of infielders so if he's not hitting enough yeah he could easily be demoted back down to the minors too have you have you heard anything about noel v Marte's injury you don't have to look it up no, just asking nothing I'd, okay. I'd, i okay he was hurt in the winter league right yeah yeah he got hurt and i kind of wondered how um depending on how serious it was or is um how the the trickle down with this team just because like like I said, there's there's a lot of guys that can get Jeez, a heavy a heavy dose this season or not a heavy dose depending on what else happens. And obviously, if Marte is hurt very seriously, it clears the spot. But I actually haven't seen anything recently on it. Um, I'll probably look into that here shortly. But it's January and it's not the be all end all. But I didn't realize Ross Resource has him on the bench right now. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting yeah, to see, which yeah, and I don't think that's the be all end all either. Um, I've said that to you. I know privately. I don't know if I've said it much on this podcast, but I don't. I don't think that you know roster resource is. They do a great job. I mean, they're, but I don't think that it's like every single guy. You just look at that like that's what it's going to be. You know, we nope. all know it's not like that. There are plenty um, of rumors going out right now, like India. We hear about he could get traded this offseason. There's even been yeah. a little scuttlebutt that Ellie De La Cruz, if he has a bad spring, he could be start the year in the minors. And we'll talk about yeah. that when we get to shortstop. But there I like I'd be surprised if he's on their bench uh come opening day. Yeah. Yeah, I think ultimately with Encarnacion Strand, it's boom bust. And I definitely see paths to both. So one of those guys if if you feel like you want to take a shot and you like him, go for it. But just be aware and maybe maybe pair him with another guy at that position that 
you feel more confident in exactly what you're going to get. I just I don't think you can be really confident in exactly what you're going to get from Christian Encarnacion Strand right now. Yeah, if you took him when you get to the reserve rounds, you probably want to grab somebody with first base eligibility pretty early or have somebody else on your team that has first base that you can slide in there just in case. Protect yourself. Yeah. Okay, that's where we're going to cut this off for the rest of the day. And we're going to be back in a couple days on Monday morning. We will have the rest of the first base preview where we will talk about all the rest of the first baseman after 15. A lot of good conversations were had between Andrew and I, so be sure to check back in, download the show, and give us a listen. Thank you all for listening, and have a great day. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 